Right, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on Don't Live a God. This is part two. Okay, and so just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website, lighthousediscipleship.org, as well as our YouTube channel, Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also like to say thank you to those who have partnered with us with your tithes and your offerings, and you can do so through our website at lighthousediscipleship.org. Alright, without any further ado, let's go ahead and just jump on into our message this morning. So we're talking about don't limit God. And I gotta say something here. I'm not I, I don't mean to offend anybody, but I'm just gonna make a statement here right off the right out the cup. Chances are high, you're limiting God. Okay. And most of us limit God, have limited God, are limiting God. In our lifestyle, I've limited God. And there's some areas in my life where I feel like I'm limiting God now. Okay, so I'm not pointing the finger at anyone that I'm not pointing at myself. Okay. How do I know if we're limiting God? Based on the results. How many people are we seeing saved and, 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 and healed and, and uh, filled with the Holy Spirit? And how many people are we seeing raised from the dead? How many, people, how many miracles are we seeing in our life? And those are just some of the uh, byproducts of that. I believe we have a huge God who wants to do huge things in our lives and through our lives. The kingdom of God is not coming. The kingdom of God is here. It's not here or there. The kingdom of God is within us. We have the fullness of God in us. And many, many of us are living so, too, we're living mediocre lives. And God has redeemed us to excellence. And I believe many of us are, and one of the main, there's several reasons why we're limiting God, but I believe one of the, <coughs> One of the main reasons why we do limit God is just wrong believing. Our wrong belief systems that many of us have had. Okay? Many think, for example, many of us, many people think that God is just in total control of everything. They teach the sovereignty of God, but they teach the sovereignty of God when they twist the word sovereignty. They make the word sovereignty mean something that it does not even mean in the Greek, Hebrew, or even in the English dictionary. Okay, God doesn't micromanage. Queen Elizabeth, who was Queen of England, she didn't micromanage the affairs of everybody's life. She was queen, she was sovereign in England. She has sovereign control, but she did not micromanage when people brushed their teeth, when they used the restroom, uh, and I'm just being, I'm, you know, I'm just using a few examples. She didn't micromanage every single thing that happened in the kingdom. And yet we say God's sovereign and he micromanages everything. God is sovereign in the right definition of the word sovereignty. But God is not in total control of everything. Okay? He, God's not the one who orchestrated people to get raped. He's not the one who orchestrated Hitler to do the things that he did. <coughs> God's, not, God's not in control of those who are committing murder or many evil uh, schemes and, 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 and uh, choices. Hope you're making sense. Some people have just, because they don't know how to, there are a lot of reasons for this, but because of their belief systems, they think that everything that happens is just simply God's will. And so they blame him for almost everything. Okay? In other words, some people just say, well, if it didn't work out, 
if it's not working out, it must be God's will and plan and purpose in our lives for it not to work out. For example, I'll give you a few examples. Your, our marriage is failing. But a lot of times when our marriage fails, our relationship fails, people think, well, it's just not God's will. That may be true in some cases, but that's not true in every case. Let me just say something real quick that has nothing to do with my message. But if you're in a relationship and you're being abused, whether that be physical or verbal, then I, 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 I don't believe anybody needs to be a punching bag or an emotional punching bag for anybody. Okay? If that type, that type of abuse is not acceptable, and if you're being abused, then I agree, you need to get out. Okay? I am not for divorce, but I, I, will, I will not condone anyone abusing somebody. I will not put up with that. Okay, so, so anyway, but just because you're having marital problems doesn't mean that, and I'm not talking about abuse, because I already addressed that, that you're having marital <coughs> problems, I don't think you need to come to the conclusion where God just didn't want it to work out. I don't believe that for one second. Okay. I will advocate marriage. Okay. But I will not advocate abuse. And there's a, there's a big difference between the two. Okay. A business fails. Or what God's will. Some cases that might be because someone maybe they were just a novice and they just uh, were, were not doing wisdom. But I don't believe in every single case. I believe God wants to bless the work of your hands. I believe God wants you to bless you. Okay? So, a lot of times we give, we give up so easy just because we have problems. And we, we blame the government. We blame this. We blame that. Well, it just must not be God's will. It must not be God's will for our country to be blessed. I don't believe that for one second. I believe God wants to bless everybody. I believe that God wants everything to be blessed. And I'm not just talking about finances here. I'm just talking about your relationships, your health, your body. Uh... Everything of your mind, okay? And everything that concerns you. Let me give you another example. Uh, uh, God's not just in control of everything. And again, I'm not picking on the country India, but India is, has a lot of Hindus. And some of you might be from India. I'm not picking on India. But Hinduism, okay? Another religion. That's not Christianity. <coughs> Let me just give some examples of this. India is a very rich country. It's a very populous country as well. India has abundance of natural resources. They have abundance of finances. Okay? And yet people are starving to death. Food is roaming right in the middle of their home. And yet they won't eat the cow because they think it's someone's grandmother. Incarnated. Because of their belief system... Their wrong belief system, it has impoverished the nation. When they have resources, they have food, they have finances, they have things in a very rich country. But their wrong belief systems have impoverished the nation. Religious belief systems in many, many cultures, many families, even here in America, has impoverished people. Not just financially, not just with food, but in many other areas as well. And when our belief systems can limit God. Let me give you another example. Many Americans, or those in the Western culture, go to different cultures 
and just throw money at their problems in that culture. Thinking money will simply solve the problem. Money's not the problem. Okay? And so, I'm not saying money can't assist in some cases. <coughs> but if you were to pull back the onion all the way back, you'll realize money's not the problem in many of these cases. People need the gospel. Okay? People also need a set of principles in the moral code. Okay? And so, the change their belief systems. Once put in place, the gospel and certain principles in moral code, nations will begin to prosper. The culture's belief system will limit its people, keeping them in poverty, among many other things. See, many Americans think that here in America, this is a fifth example, but the government owes them welfare or, and needs to increase their pay and benefits or guarantee them better health insurance. Our problem, folks, no matter what country you are from, what culture you're from, is we need God we need to believe the gospel, and we need to think and believe the gospel. We need to change, and let me rephrase some of that. We need to change the way we think, and we need to believe God. God is our provider. God is our source. We're born of God. We are of God. We, the kingdom of God is not here and there. The kingdom of God is within us. And we have his fullness. Our source is not the government. Our source is not our education. The source is not the ground. The source is God. And we need to believe God. For example, for instance, in Proverbs 23:7, it says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Our lives are going in the direction of our most dominant thought. And most of our thinking has come from either the culture or the religious system that we grew up with or we've been indoctrinated to. Romans 12, 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world. I'm not going to be conformed to Hinduism. I'm not going to be conformed to religious Christianity. I'm going to be conformed to true Christianity, which is God. But Jesus, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing, renovation of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Many of you are wondering what the will of God is. How do you know the will of God? You are transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not being conformed to this world, but being transformed. Transformed means it's the same, the Greek word here is metamorphosis. Metamorpho. When we get the word metamorphosis, it's like a caterpillar going to a, being transformed to a butterfly, or a tadpole to a frog. Renewing, if you study that out in the Greek, means to renovate the mind, change the way you're thinking. Most of our problems is because of what, how we think. And we're conformed to this world, the pattern of this world, 
and we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. How do we do this? Well, chapter, in verse 1, he says, by the mercies of God. By the mercies of God. We need to know who we are. We need to change the way we're thinking. We need to change. We're born again. We need to stop acting like a natural man. We need to stop acting like the flesh. And we need to start acting like someone who's born of God. We're believers. We believe. We're spirit-filled. We let the Spirit of God lead us. We need to act and live like who we are in Christ. There's over 300 scriptures that says who we are in Christ. And many of us need to renew our mind, renovate our mind, who we are. I'm not an American, even though socially I am. I am a child of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is not here or there. The kingdom of God is within us, within me, and within you. God's my source. Okay. Excuse me, I'm having challenges again this morning. Hope we guys connecting again. And while that's connecting, let me find myself in my notes. If we want to change, if we want to change our circumstances, if we want to change the direction our lives are going, if we, and, and the context where I've been talking about changing the culture financially, you, you don't pray for someone to just give you money. You don't just take money from someone who has it and give it to someone who doesn't. That's not going to solve the problem. You take the limits off. God, and he take the limits off the way you're thinking. It's insanity to keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. You need to change the way you're thinking, and you need to change the way you're believing. You need to take the limits off of God, because as a man, think, as a man thinks, thinks, so is he. We take the limits off of God by changing the way that we think. In Acts chapter 10, verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a, a truth I perceive that God is not a respecter of persons. God's not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of faith. He's a respecter of those who believe the word of God. God's not picking favorites between America and India or any other country. God's not picking favorites between me and you. Okay? He wants to do miracles in your life. He wants to do miracles in my life. He wants, he, God has never made a piece of junk. He's never made anyone who's inferior. He wants to accomplish things in us, in me, in you, through me, through you. Everything God wants to do in my life, God wants to do in your life. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm trying to edify you. I'm trying to build you. But most of us, many of us, are ignorant. Many of us have bought into the lie that we're just no one special. That we're just mediocre. And that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? Jeremiah says it this way. For I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord. 
Lives of peace and not of evil to give you a future and hope. I love the King James. It says, "Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end." God has a good plan and a purpose and expected end in your life. God's thoughts. God has good thoughts. Okay. God is not up there, and He's not even just up there. He's in you. And he's not thinking bad thoughts about you. Okay? He has a perfect plan. He has an expected end, an end for you. Okay? It says in Psalm 139 that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Okay? There's no accidents. Your parents made uh, not intended for you to be, be born because of their past, but God didn't have any mistakes. You are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. Why you don't know my past, my pastor? I don't need to know your past. I need to know the Word of God. Yeah, the Word of God trumps over anyone's opinion. And if your opinion doesn't line up with the Word of God, I'm not no offense, but let God be true and every man a liar. Okay. See, God has known us since before the foundation of the world. He says in Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us <coughs> in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God had a purpose for your life. God had a purpose for your life before the foundation of the world were ever established. Okay? Most of us, and the way I'm getting with this, a lot of what I've been sharing so far is just a prelude to where I'm going with this, but most of us are living far below God's purpose. And we think it's just God's will. No. Okay? We all have a sphere of influence. Some have bigger sphere of influence, some have smaller sphere of influence. And I believe, and my charge to you this morning, is that you rise up and let God use you and reach your potential that God has created and ordained for your life. Okay? We're all able ministers of the new covenant. Are we all pastors, teachers, prophets, evangelists, etc.? No. But we are all able ministers. We're all leaders. Let me ask you a question. Do you see yourself as a leader? See, leadership is not defined by people in one sense. Leadership is defined by influence. All of us have some influence. Whether that's over our kids, our neighbors, our friends, our employers, employees, our colleagues our community, our tribe, our village. We all have influence. If you have influence, more or less, you're a leader. You might not be a leader of a big congregation. You might not be a leader of a country. You might, might not be a leader of a tribe or a clan. But you, are, you have influence. If you have influence, you are a leader of some sort. And we're all leaders. We all influence each other. Okay? But if your attitude is, poor me, poor me, poor me, and whatever will be, will be, then you're going to be like a ping pong ball being bumped in life from problem to problem. And most of you, that's how you live your life. Your life is like a ping pong ball just being bounced from bumper to bumper from problem to problem. Whatever will be, will be, poor me, poor me, poor me. <coughs> Excuse me. 
And if that's your worldview, if that's the way you think, if that's the way you process everything, you're limiting God. This message is for you, not to, not to tear you down, but to lift you up. But sometimes to lift you up, I need to pull back the onion. I need to tear down and, and challenge the belief system that you're operating in to wake you up. Sometimes you got to shake the tree to see what falls out. Not to be mean, but just we need to find out what we're dealing with. Okay? See, I don't believe that we're supposed to be living like a ping-pong ball, and we are just at the mercy of whatever will be, will be. Okay? But I believe God has given us an authority by being a child of God that we can command mountains to move. We can command storms to be still. And if we're not doing that, we're limiting God. If you're allowing your life just to treat you like a ping pong ball, you're just living from problem to problem, and you're not you're not using your authority to, to, to move some mountains, to move some mulberry bushes, to, to calm some storms, to feed the multitudes, then you're limiting God. It said in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals, where you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, our very tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. This is the book of Revelation. This is after Jesus has raised from the dead and he ascended on high. And the, the, the heavenly Sanhedrin, the, the heavenly, those who were surrounded the throne of God, began to sing a new song. That we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus out of, every, out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. That's you, that's me. And have made us, not just me, but us, plural, kings and priests to our God that we should reign in the earth. You're a leader. You're a king. You're a priest. Ladies, you're queens. Okay? You're, that makes you feel better. You're kings, mankind. It's not, this is not a gender thing. This is a mankind thing. He's redeemed us. We've been created in his image. Male and female, he created us. There's not a third option. Okay? We're king to priest. Anyway, I've got to get off that roller coaster, but there's some kooks out there that don't even know between a male and a female. Okay? And so, anyway, we're all leaders. We're all leaders. Kings and priests are leaders. We're all leaders. How, why, how do I know you're leaders? Because of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus made you a leader. The blood of Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood to make you a king and a priest. Well, I don't feel like a king and a priest. I don't care how you feel. The word of God says you are. And if you're not living like a king and a priest, you're limiting God. You're limiting what the blood of Jesus paid for. Okay, there's a lot more than the blood of Jesus paid for. But he made you a king and a priest to reign on the earth. Okay? I'm not reigning over you. You're not reigning over me because we are kings and priests together. We're on the same level. He's the king of all kings. He's the high priest. You're not the high priest. I'm not the high priest. He's the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. But you're a king and you're a priest. So am I. Okay? Am I making sense? Okay? So we're all on the same level here. But we all have something to do. We all have some, a sphere of influence to lead. 
See, our calling, we're all able ministers of the New Covenant. We're not all pastors. We're not all evangelists and missionaries and teachers and whatnot. But we are all leaders. Okay? And we all have a calling. And those callings will vary from person to person. But even though our, our callings will vary, we're all supposed to accomplish something. We're all supposed to influence people. And until you, until you are accomplishing what God has called you to accomplish, until you are influencing the, those who God has called you to influence, your life, you're going to feel very unsatisfied in your life. Because the purpose why you were created and the purpose why you were redeemed has not been fulfilled. And there will always be this deep longing in your heart till that is being accomplished. See, many are not influencing others. And they're not accomplishing things for God. Okay? I don't say that to be mean. But many of us Christians are living mediocre lives. I don't care what, what culture we're talking about right now. That may look different in different cultures, but we're living mediocre. Church, people, friends, beloved. We are born again by the blood of Jesus. We've been redeemed. We've been redeemed. We've been purchased. We've been bought with a price. God is living on the inside of you. God, the one who created the cosmos. The one who created the universe and the earth. The one who died for you is living on the inside of you. And God is living inside of you and some of you are kicking and screaming, whining and complaining. Where's God? He's on, he's on the inside of you. God is living on the little side of you. And he has something very important for you to accomplish. And he has important people, whether that be one, two, or a million, for you to influence. And God's not going to suddenly make that happen in your life. He's not going to make you accomplish things. He's not going to make you trust him. And be used by him. I'm going to say something here. I want to repeat it again before I'm done. But if your life is not about. Is, let me say this again. Let me slow down. If your life is not an absolute joy. If you're not excited to get up in the morning. About life. If you don't have enthusiasm. About life. And what God is doing in and through your life, you have missed God. I want to say this again. I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying this to charge you, to spur you up, to, to rattle the cage. But we're in the last days. And it's not time to be mediocre. If you can't handle it now when the foot soldiers are here, what are you going to do when the horsemen come? Take that from a verse out of Jeremiah. I believe it's Jeremiah. 
if your life is not an absolute joy, because the kingdom of God is, is righteous joy and peace in the Holy Spirit, if your life is not an absolute joy, if you're not excited about life, and you don't have enthusiasm about life and what God is doing in and through you, you have missed God. You are limiting God in your life. <coughs> Joseph was in bondage. Daniel was in bondage. But they had joy. They had enthusiasm. And God used them to save Egypt and Israel and many nations. God used Daniel in four different kingdoms while he was in captivity. And those are just some examples. God used Ruth. God used Esther. But you ladies who think you're inferior just because you're female. No. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what culture you are. I don't care. I know my God. I'm not here comparing countries. I'm not here comparing ages. I'm not here comparing genders. I'm here comparing my life and your life to the Word of God. Okay? God has called you to do something big. To do something great. To do something that bigger than you. Something that you can't do without Him. <coughs> what God has called you to do is something you can't do without Him. I'm going to speak to that in just a minute. <coughs> Excuse me. One of our key verses in this series is from Psalm 78. Yes, again and again, they... He's talking about Israel and the wilderness before he goes to the promised land. Again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. And I can say this even in my own life. There's been many times again and again I tempted God and limited God in my life. And so have you. We all have. There's no one listening to this message, including myself, who has not done this again and again. Maybe some more than others, maybe some less than others. I'm not comparing. We've all done it. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. No one has exhausted God's ability. No one has exhausted God's power. And no one has exhausted God's resources. <coughs> God. I don't care what's going on in the world today, what's going on in our country, God is bigger. God's huge. God's infinite. God is huge, folks. Our life ought to be a reflection of Him. I want to say that again. I felt like I, I didn't give enough em em emphasis on that. God is huge. God is huge. And our lives should be a reflection of a huge God. A big God. A powerful God. A rich God. A God who's our Savior, our healer, our deliverer, our banner, our victory, 
Our lives should be a testimony, a reflection of God. If we're born of God, and God is in us, our lives should be a testimony that we are of God. If the things that you are doing in life is based on, well, I went to school, I earned the things that I did, you've missed God. Am I against education in and of itself? No. Am I against you working hard and diligent and faithful? No. I am against what you're putting your faith in. If your faith is in your education, if your faith is in you, you've limited God. Can God use your education? Yes. Can God use your working hard and diligent and faithful? Yes. But what God's called to do is beyond your education, beyond your ability. And everything that you've done is based on what you, your education, your ability, and your resources, you're limited to God because God can do above and beyond you could think of that. Okay? Your life should be a testimony why we are so blessed. Unless you are embarrassed by how blessed you are, you're living to God. You should be so blessed that it's almost, it's embarrassing to share how blessed you are because you're afraid people think you're boasting in you. You're not boasting in you. You're boasting in God. How do you do what you've done? God. Help. Help. When you give a testimony, you say, I don't know how I did it. I'm not smart enough. I'm not wise enough. I'm not rich enough. But God used me to do this, and he's not done. If that, your testimony doesn't go along those lines, some way, somehow, you have limited God. I've limited God. I can't say that about everything in my life. Okay? If you can point to your education, your charisma, your ability, your resources, your energy, and your work ethic, you've limited God. If your faith is in you and not God, you've limited Him. Your life is either supernatural or superficial. God will call you to do something beyond yourself. God will call you to do something bigger than yourself. God will call you to do something you can't do without Him. And if what you are doing is not beyond you, if what you're doing is not bigger than you, if what you're doing is, not, is something you can do, you haven't heard from God. Sherry and I, when we started this church about 10 years ago, we had no money. We, had no, we didn't have a home. We didn't have a car. We didn't have a job for five years. We were at the bottom. And God had us go back to Bible school. Me go back for the second time. Sherry for the first time. Sherry just started working at a job. And God told us to go to Bible school and register full-time, both of us. Where we had basically no money. We just started getting a little bit. We were going to get a phone again. We were going to get our car. 
the license is back again. We had a car, but we couldn't drive it because we couldn't drive it legally, and we couldn't put gas in the tank um, without money. We were barely surviving for five years, and God put a verse in our heart that's on the on, on well of our mantle here. He says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he will give you desires of your heart. Commit your way to him with those desires. Trust him with those desires, and he will bring those desires to pass. Psalm 37, verses 4 and 5. And the way that we saw this was delight ourselves in the Lord. We were trying. Commit your way. Well, the, what was in front of us at the time, the way, that we, the way I saw this, when God told me to commit my way, my way to him, he told me to go to Bible college. So that's what, the way I committed I commit my way to him with that desire. I trusted him with that desire. He brought it to pass. Within an hour of me committing to that, for the first time five years, I got a job. I've had a job. I have multiple jobs now. He's given us three, three free vehicles during that time. We have homes. We have a ministry. And over the last ten years, we've had people. We're now reaching about 14,000 people worldwide. Over the, over the course of the 10 years, people have given us almost a quarter million dollars to run this ministry. Lately, that, that, that amount has gone way down. But at the same point in time, everything we would do, we started with nothing without a dime to our name. And people would ask, how did we do what we did? God. We couldn't have done anything that we've done to this ministry without God. God did it. God took us out of the miry clay and he put us on the rock and he used us. It's all God. It's all God. And he's not done. He's going to do a new thing. We're not smart enough to do what we've done. See, it says in 1 Corinthians one twenty six. Where you see your calling, brethren, that many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. God doesn't, you know, in other words, the way Andrew Womack says this, there's not one person qualified working for him yet. God will use, God, God can use it. If, well, I'm not noble enough. Well, not many are noble are called. I'm not mighty enough. Well, you, you qualify. I'm not wise enough. I'm not smart enough. It's not about your ability. It's about God's. Look at the disciples that Jesus called. A tax collector. A thief. Peter with a bad mouth. And it was, I mean, uh, uh, there was a uh, zealot. I mean, he did not pick the, the, the cream of the crop in the sense from a natural noble Perspective. Okay? And yet he used those 12 men to turn the world upside down for Jesus. It's not about you and your ability. It's about Christ in you. Okay? It says in Romans 1.17 that the just shall live by faith. That's an echo from Habakkuk. That Paul also echoed that in Galatians. The just shall live by faith. It's also echoed in Hebrews. The just shall live by faith. I think the Bible is very clear 
that the just, the righteous, shall live by his faith. Okay? It says in Romans 14.23 that whatever is not of faith is sin. Sin is not just uh, murder and adultery and cussing and, and lying and stealing. Those are all sins too. Sin is sin. But anything that's not a faith is sin. Okay? And if without faith, it's impossible to please God. See, in Jeremiah, the Lord says, Cursed is a man that trusts in a man and makes a flesh his arm, whose heart departed, heart departed from the Lord, for he shall not for he shall be like a heath in the desert, and shall be not seen when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places of the wilderness and the salt land and not inhabited. Sorry. Blessed is the man that trusts in the, in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spread it out her roots by the river, and shall not see when he cometh. But her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So here in Jeremiah 17, chapter 17, verses 5 through 8, we have a comparison between a blessed man and a cursed man. The cursed man is trusting in mankind or himself, and the blessed man is trusting in God. They both have a blind spot. The cursed man doesn't see the heat when it comes. It's there. The problems, the drought, the famine is there, but he doesn't see it. Why? Because, I'm, I'm, excuse me, I have it back. He doesn't see the good one. The good is there. The good is there. He, he, he doesn't see it. Why? Because he's focused on himself. He's focused on trusting himself and other people. The blessed man also has a blind spot. He doesn't see the heat when it comes. He doesn't see the famine. He doesn't see the drought. He doesn't see the lack. He doesn't see what's going on in the culture. He doesn't see what's going on around him. He only sees God. See, when we trust in our goodness, our education, what we can do, we're cursing ourselves. I love you, but you're cursing yourself. Because when you trust yourself, you can't please God, and it's sin. If you're actually cursing yourself. If you're trusting in what you can do, if you're trusting what's in your bank account, if you're trusting what you can do, you are cursing yourself. And, I, and I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about education, wisdom, and knowledge, and, and other things as well. It's not you. What God has called you to do is not you. If you, <coughs> if you are trusting yourself, you are limiting God. You're like a, a, a shrub in the desert. You're, 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 you're living. You're inhabiting a parched place where there's no water. But if you're trusting God, it doesn't matter what's going on in the culture. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Because your leaf shall be green, shall not cease Careful in the year of drought, nor, nor cease from yielding fruit. This person is just existing. And some of you are just existing. Barely any known. You're like a shrub in the desert. But if you are this person, there can be 
Uh, it can be a heat wave, and you're flourishing. Why? Because God is their source. One's limiting God and cursing themselves. The other one doesn't even see the heat, doesn't even see the drought. It's not even careful in the year of drought. And neither ceases to yield fruit. That's powerful. See, everything I've accomplished, anything you've accomplished, is because God is working in me. God is working in you and through you. See, but all of us, including myself, have missed God at some point in some of us all of our lives. Okay? I don't think any of us are hitting every single cylinder every single time. I, I mean, even lately, Sherry and I, we've had conversations. We are not hitting every cylinder right now. We know that. We we're working. By God's grace, we are working on some things to change that. Okay? None of us are believing God and doing everything we're supposed to be doing. That's not to put you down. That is to spur you on. All, the, all scripture is profitable for reproof, for doctrine, for correction and training in righteousness, so the man of God may be fully equipped for every good work. See, God is huge. God is limitless. God is infinite. And God wants to do big things in your life and through your life. But most of us are believing for small things. Most don't realize they're limiting God. See, again, in Psalm 78, our key verse, again and again, they were tipped, they tempted God, excuse me, and limited the Holy One of Israel. Again, the context is, we're, we're talking about Israel going into the Promised Land and wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. See, Israel limited God. God, God was not sovereignly controlling everything. God did not control the rebellion. God wanted to do more. God wanted them to enter into the promised land in one year, not 40. But they rebelled. They rebelled against God. See, in 3 John, verse 2, it says, We love that pray that you may prosper in all things and be health just as your soul prospers. God does not want you sick. He wants you in good health. God wants, does not want you poor. He wants you to prosper in all things, not just finances. If you don't believe that God wants you to prosper, you're limiting God. If you believe God wants you sick, you're limiting God. Because God says, above all things, he's the one who experiences. But you say different. Some of you. Psalm 34 says this about Moses. And Moses was 120 years old, and his eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. Many of you are complaining, wiping, screaming, and complaining about your age. Not just your eyes being dim, but your vigor is diminishing. And some of you believe, well, when you get to a certain age, certain body parts are supposed to just diminish. That's not what the Word of God says. You're, that's your testimony, not the Word of God. The Word of God says this in Psalm 103. Well, actually, before I go there, Corinthians says this, that those who measure themselves among themselves are not wise. 
if you are measuring yourselves and your ability based on your age, you're limiting God. Because you don't need to measure yourself with me based on age. You need to measure based on the Word of God. Am I making any sense here? Okay, hopefully I am. I'm not getting any response. Psalm 103 says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Some, you know, how many times do we read in the Old Testament, they forgot the Lord or God? And yet many of us have forgotten his benefits. What are his benefits? I'm glad you asked. Who forgives, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, excuse me, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth will be new as eagles. <coughs> Some of you are whining and complaining about your age. Well, he says your youth is renewed by your eagle, like the eagles is one of your benefits. Redeeming your life from destruction is redeeming you is one of your benefits. If you're complaining about the age, you have forgotten his benefits. He wants to heal you from every disease. He wants to satisfy your mouth with good things. Well, we can only eat peanut butter and jelly. Well, you know, you might like that PBJ sandwich once in a while. But you might also want a steak now and then. Okay, you might also want some other things now and then. Okay, he wants to satisfy your mouth with good things. Am I saying he wants you fat? No, I didn't talk about that. Okay, so he wants you to be blessed. You're the people of God. You're the children of God. Okay. It says in Deuteronomy seven seventeen, if you should say in your heart, "These nations are greater than I," how can I dispose of them? Some of you have this attitude that what's going on in the world, <coughs> what's going on in your country. What's going on in economics? Some of you have dictators in your countries. Some of you are complaining about your family life. Some of you are complaining about this and that, my boss, whatever it might be, the weather, the heat wave, El Nino, whatever it might be. And you're saying that these nations, these things, are greater than God. Tell me one person, one nation, one weather, one storm, one El Nino that is greater than God. Why are you saying these things in your heart? Because if these are your thoughts, if anything, anything is greater than God, and you're saying that in your heart, you are limiting God. There's no one mightier. There's nothing. Stop talking to God about your problem and start talking to your problem about your God. Talk to the storm. Talk to your pocketbook. Talk to the you, you talk to things. Speak to them. Jesus answered the fig tree. Speak to it. Use your authority. God has promised victory. See, in Hebrews 4 2, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. He's talking about Israel in the wilderness before they go to the promised land. But the word which they heard. They're not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. 
This is powerful, folks. The book of Hebrews, in context, chapter 4, is talking about Israel, who did not enter the promised land because of one sin, and that sin is called unbelief. And God called that sin rebellion. And the book of Le Leviticus says rebellion is witchcraft. Any man or me? Okay, but let's back, back up a little bit. The same gospel that is preached to us was also preached to them. But we're in a new covenant, yes. But the new covenant, the writer of Hebrews says, as inspired by the Holy Spirit, that the gospel was preached to them as well as to us. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith, but those who heard it. So the gospel you hear, if, even if it's a good gospel, even if it's the right gospel, there's only one gospel. Paul, Paul does talk about Galatians those who preach another gospel and they're cursed. Okay. But the gospel, the gospel, even if you're hearing the good, true, powerful gospel, has the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believeth, Romans 1 16. If you do not mix it with faith, it will not profit you anything. If you don't mix this gospel, this word, this gospel with faith, you are limiting God by not letting it profit. Amen, oh me. I'm not here to get on your case. I'm here to wake you up. We need a great awakening. Okay. Ephesians 3 says this, To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. This is a power of scripture. Paul is praying a prayer. His second prayer that he prayed here in the book of Ephesians. And he says, when we know, when we experience the love of Christ that, that surpasses just intellectual knowledge, when we experience God and his love, we have intimacy, a relationship with God that surpasses intellectual knowledge. We're filled with the very fullness of God. We're not filled with part of God. The Amplified says we're filled, overflowing with God Himself. What problem can you possibly have when you have the fullness of God inside of you? You have the fullness of God inside of you, and you're whining and complaining, kicking and screaming, where's God? You're limiting God because you don't even know who you have and what you have, because this God, who is, whose fullness, fullness, is inside of you, is able to do exceeding the abundance of all that you ask and you think according to. God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to. This phrase according to. <coughs> when you study out means in proportion to. To the degree of the power that God is working in us. 
God is able to do exceedingly great, more than you can ever ask or imagine, according to the power that works in us. What power? His fullness. You can't get any more powerful than the fullness of God. Are you listening? I mean, if that does not excite you, your wood is wet. Okay? Church, we need to have faith in God. <coughs> Jude says this, but you, beloved, because <coughs> you're building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You need to, you need to build up your most holy faith. How do you do that? Pray in the Spirit. And some of you mock praying in the Spirit. Some of you ridicule praying in the Spirit. Some of you are baptized, but you don't pray in the Spirit. We need to stir ourselves up in our most holy faith. We need to stir it up. Where does faith come from? The Word of God. We build ourselves up in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, well, God's not releasing his power. He's giving you his fullness. Of his fullness, we have all received and grace for grace. Don't tell me God's not pouring out when he's already given him all himself. He redeemed you to be kings and priests. God, not, you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. <coughs> His fullness, the kingdom of God, is not here and there. The kingdom of God is within us. It says in 1 John 4, 4, you are of God. I mean, I can stop right there. You are of God. You're born of God, little children, and have overcome God because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. There is no demon. There is no devil. There is no dictator. There is no nothing that is greater than he who is in you. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Folks, we need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I want to say that again. We need to get sick and tired of being sick and tired. And we need to start believing God and do some things. Move some mountains. Raise the dead. Heal the sick. Do exploits in his name because See, life is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal. We don't get a second go at this. God is awesome. And he has given you an abundant life that many of us have not even tapped into yet. If in him that we live and we move and we have our being. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, 
and forever. You know, Andrew Womack, where most of my notes come from today, in his book, Don't Limit God. He talks about a story when uh, they were, uh, they had a, their, their headquarters was in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And on one particular Friday, he was having lunch in the lunchroom, and he sat down with a uh, gentleman who was part of his team. And the guy was so happy, he says, TGIF. And Andrew's like, well, what's TGIF? Well, thank God it's Friday. And so Andrew asked him, what's so good about Friday? He goes, because tomorrow's Saturday, my day off. I don't have to come in tomorrow. And so Andrew's joking with him, but with a serious tone. <clears throat> he goes, well, if you don't like working here, I'm sure I can arrange it so you don't have to work anymore. And the guy started backpedaling and said, no, 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 no. I love working here. I just love my weekends. He goes, yeah, but if you, don't, if, if, if you really are not unhappy about being here, I can make it so every day's Friday for you. And, uh, and, you know, he was just joking with the guy. But he's also making a point, not only to him, but to all of us. A point that I made earlier. If our lives are not just absolute joy, if we are not excited and enthusiastic about life and the things God has called us to do, no matter how tough it may be in the world that we live in, but if you're not excited about getting up Monday through Friday, you have not found God's will for your life. You're limiting God. It says in Psalm 9017, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. I want to talk about the latter part, but before I do that, I want to talk about this first phrase. Let the beauty of the Lord our God. God's beauty is on your life. And when God, because God is beautiful, and when you read the story of Genesis, he didn't make anything that wasn't and we got to mankind on the seventh, on the sixth day. He said that we were, it was very good. We already read from Revelation that he has redeemed us by his blood and made us kings and priests. There's nothing God has done. There's nothing God has created. There's nothing God has redeemed. That's not beautiful. Because everything God touches, he beautifies. And his beauty of the Lord our God is upon us. And that beauty is not lighting your fire where you have joy, you have peace, you're excited, you have a purpose. If you're not experiencing the beauty of God, you're limiting God. Like Jeremiah, it could be chaos and drought and and all kinds of gloom and doom all around you, but you don't see the gloom and doom. All you see is that your life is flourishing because you are born of God. And His beauty is upon you. And His beauty will establish the work of your hands. In case you didn't hear that, He said, yes, establish the work of our hands. What's in your hand? That's what He told Moses. 
That's what you, he told the widow with a jar of oil, what's in your hand? That's what he told Peter when he was fishing and caught nothing, what's in your hand? Go let it down for a catch. God can use what you have, even if all you have is oil to pay off your debts. To use you to become a fisher of men. Stop limiting God. And let the beauty of our Lord be upon us that he may establish the work of your hands. We're talking, folks, about not limiting God. And most of us have become so religiously stale. And I say that in all love. We become so mediocre. We've been so conditioned by our culture and by our world. We need to not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might know the good and perfect will of God. I didn't say anything I said that morning to make to belittle you. I but I am charging you the best I know how by the Spirit of the living God. To charge you up. Folks, we are getting to the last days. It's going to get tough. I believe there's some very big things that's going to happen in our country, in our world, in the next year, year and a half, and even a few years. Some of it is going to be awesome. It's going to be good. But some of it is going to turn our, it's going to be very challenging. It's going to change the way that we live. How do I know that? Well, first of all, I believe I gave you a word of knowledge. Second of all, Jesus promised it. Paul promised it. James promised it. Peter promised it. All the writers in the New Testament promised this. John promised it. Okay? It's going to get tough. And if we can't handle what I talked about when the the foot soldiers are here. What are we going to do when the horsemen come? We need to be so focused on God and allowing God who is in us to live in and through us that no matter what is going on in our world, just like it happened in Egypt, we who live in Goshen is different. Remember the story? In Egypt, all the plagues? But Israel was in Goshen. It was different there. It was different than those who lived under the, 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 the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. I know that was a little later when they were in the wilderness. But God, we are of God, and he who is in us is greater than he that is in the world. God is our provider. He's our banner. He's our victor. He's our righteousness. He's our helper. He's here. Healing is here. Provision is here. Salvation is here. Stop whining and complaining. But it says in Psalm 57 verse 8, Awake my glory. Awake harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. We need to wake up. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. We need a great awakening 
in America. We need a great awakening in your country. We need a great awakening in the world. And it starts with you and me being awakened to who we are in Christ and living like we're saved, living like we're born again, living like we're a child of God, living like the beauty of God is upon us. We do not have to be focused on the heat and there it comes, but we can be flourishing because our focus is on God and we trust Him and our trust is in God. I believe good days are coming. I believe challenging days are coming in the world. But we are in a different kingdom. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. We're born of God. I hope this has encouraged you. I'll come back next week and say some more things along this line. Along these lines, as we're talking about, don't limit God. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Amen and amen. God bless you.